0: Very funny. Bobby,
1: who is this? As you watch the screen, your heart begins to beat faster. There's a fluttering in the pit of your stomach. Your throat is dry your palms damp. Suddenly a chill runs down your spine. You clutch the person next to you. You tell yourself, it's only a movie. It's only a movie. But sooner or later, it's time to Welcome to Film Strip. I'm Jay. And I'm Ron. And this is our review of Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives. Starring Tom Matthews, Jennifer Cook, David Kagan, Carrie Noonan, Renee Jones, Vincent Gustafaro, C.J. Graham, and Dan Bradley. Directed by Tom McLaughlin, released in 1986 on a budget of $3 million, grossed $19.4 at the box office. So... I can say now I have seen two Friday the 13th films in theaters, and this is the first one. I saw this in theaters with my grandmother in the summer of 1986. Uh, I've told on many podcasts before that grandma liked uh, scary movies and horror movies, and every now and then she would indulge and say, yeah, we'll go see this, and she had seen the trailer to it, and so had I. And this one seemed so geared at my age level. I, mean, I was ten when this came out. That she thought, well, this would be good. And I, we had a laugh about it recently, talking about it, about going to see this and how ridiculous it was. But I saw this with my grandmother in theaters in nineteen eighty-six.
0: That that's pretty amazing. That's uh, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to work hard to top that one. That's. That's an interesting factoid in and of itself.
1: Yeah, I have teased Ron for the better part of a couple of weeks now as we're getting ready to record this. That I had a mind-blowing theory about Part Six, and so, uh, and and I don't know where I got this from. I it just came to me watching this movie this time. Something hit me, and I thought, wait a minute. And so I'm going to lay it out when we get to it. But I guess before we get into it, I, real quick, do you have memories of this? Because this is one that a lot of people hold up as one of their favorite Friday the 13th.
0: Actually, I don't really remember this one all that well. I, I'm not sure why, um, but because it is, it's definitely way better than the last one.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, geez, uh, you know, that's, so I'm that's not a sure. low bar to clear there. So.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, that's like, well, hey, um, it could have, it could have been worse somehow.
1: It's <laughs> like eating a chocolate covered cricket and then they hand you, you know, uh, so, a a piece of broccoli. You're like, well, it's better, so you know. But maybe it's not that much better. So, anyway, why don't you go ahead and lay people out on the plot summary though, Ron? Let's let everybody know what happens when Jason lives.
0: All right. Uh, well, it's not like Fletch lives <laughs> as <laughs> well, a child. Mean,
1: Arlie Ermy is not a a, a televangelist? Dang it. <laughs>
0: I wish. Early Army should have been in this movie. He he should have been anyway. a televangelist. So, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right. Um, as a child, Tommy Jarvis killed Jason Voorhees, and he's been in and out of treatment facilities since dealing with his horror. Fed up with the nightmares. Tommy recruits a fellow prisoner to dig up Jason Voorhees' body and burn it, just to be sure. However, this plan backfires as Jason is resurrected by lightning a la Frankenstein's monster and rises to kill again. Camp Crystal Lake, now known as Forest Green, is open again, and Megan, the sheriff's daughter, is attracted by the mysterious Tommy and his stories of the killer that everyone else wants to forget. Jason wrecks the camp, kills scores of people, and finally has a showdown with Tommy, who him into the bottom of a lake with a large chain and stone. Tommy and Megan escape alive as Jason is trapped at the bottom of the lake, but with his eye open.
1: (laughs) Uh, By the way, props to the Chamber of Commerce for finally realizing maybe we should just rename the whole county. <laughs> and they got that passed through pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, not a bad idea. You know, this is at some point the word's going to get out. I mean, this is pre-internet, but 2020 is a thing at this point, so people probably know about Crystal.
0: Lake. Yeah, or 60 Minutes has probably definitely done a feature on this place. And um, you know, I just wonder how many other names they went through before they settled on the most generic name possible. I mean, did they <laughs> yeah. say, "All right, well, we can't be Crystal Lake anymore," so? So all right, let's try um Mansonville. Okay, great. No, that didn't work. How about um Edgane Gein- Ed <laughs> You know how about, how about Roy Cown? I just, just imagine that it, <laughs> oh, it's it's uh, Roy Sylvania. <laughs> could
1: have been after the last yeah. time Jasonville Uh Otisburg, maybe perhaps if, if you know once Lex was done with him at the end of Superman uh, 1 but <laughs> yeah uh, you know I, I wrote down in my notes here as this movie started hey remember last time well forget all that except the part about Tommy being in a mental institution and such because they're they're gonna go he and his friend are going to fulfill that dream from uh, I guess a new beginning and burn Jason's body because that's the thing we didn't talk about in in the little Corey Feldman uh, uh, flashback is he's going out there to like you know burn Jason up or something and it doesn't work and so that's where we get uh, Frank and Jason right?
0: Yeah, that's uh, it's definitely the uh, one of the more interesting like ways to resurrect Jason. And I think this is like where they finally admit, oh yeah, Jason's a, like a supernatural monster kind of thing.
1: Oh yeah, he's definitely full on zombie now at in this film. Like it's it's laid out very quickly for us. I mean, we get we get the great opening, which I you know Tommy brings his mask with him, so I guess like oh we're gonna burn that with him too. And I'm like, well okay, so he's he's held on to that. I I get it, but not only do they bury Jason, which we've talked about before, like why would anybody bury him? But they bury him with weapons. You know, like he's, <laughs> he's buried with stuff. Like the sheriff in the last movie talked about, they burned up Jason's body and scattered the ashes. I'm like, well, clearly not, obviously. And then they bury him with his stuff. That's like burying, uh, you know, uh, a marksman with a gun. I mean, it just makes no sense. You know, it's, it's, it's the contrivance you have to give this film if you're going to go on the ride for it, and this movie wastes no time getting going i mean it, this movie's eighty seven minutes long, it's the shortest one, and it is a fleet eighty seven minutes I mean they waste zero time. We get a thunderclap and a dark road, and Tommy in this truck flying down the highway, ready to go do mayhem with somebody from seventies television. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I have no idea who that guy is. He apparently
1: was on Welcome Back, Connor. Uh, I'm sure I he think. doesn't really. I think he was on Welcome Back, Connor. I think
0: that oh, one was, is that? He's, oh, that's, yeah, that's uh, Horshack from Welcome Back, Connor. There you
1: Connor. Go. I couldn't think of the name. Yeah, he's Horshack. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, who shows up only to get his heart ripped okay. out. Yeah. In a great scene, though, great first kill with Jason just punches right through him. I'm like, well, now we've established that Jason is otherworldly at this point.
0: Oh yeah, he's definitely got uh, he's got <laughs> Roy's strength plus like ten.
1: Right, he, he he actually does. Yeah, he's he's got a ton of strength. I love though that that Tommy's not just content with like digging him up and like you know talking stuff to him. He decides, I oh, know, I'm going to stab him with the random piece of metal fence because. Why? Uh, I don't know. Uh, good job on the Jason corpse makeup, by the way. I will say this: the the effects in this, the makeup effects, are pretty good. Like they they do a pretty good job showing us a guy that had been buried for maybe ten years. Like I don't know how long this is supposed to have passed from the end of part four. I'm I'm confused. Tommy looks like he could be at least thirty. So uh, and Megan's at least twenty eight. I don't I don't know. Like I don't know how much time has gone by, but long enough for Jason to be magnet infested.
0: Oh, well, the thing is, they, they spent more money on the special effects, and it seems like they actually took the time to write a script in advance this time, <laughs> instead of just making it up as they go along. And they also cast a much better Tommy.
1: There was no mandate to kill people every five minutes, I think is, is for clear. Like, they, they go a long times in between kills here. And you talk about a better Tommy here, Ron. This guy, I totally thought for years that this was Michael Dudikoff, and it's not. But Tom Matthews could be Michael Dudikoff's long-lost brother.
0: Well, it, it ties us back to the uh, best kill of part five, because guess who was in Return of the Living Dead with Miguel Nunez? Tom Matthews, aka Demon.
1: Was it Tom? Matthews? Tom
0: Matthews was. <laughs> yes, he was the. He was like the lead guy. Like he was like the dude.
1: That they must like have like been sitting around the catering table going, man, you got to get on one of those Friday the Thirteenth movies, man. <laughs> so, like it's just the way to go. Um, it is a better Tommy. I don't want to say he's good <laughs> because I think I'm overpraising what is going on here with this guy. But at least they gave him lines and something to do, unlike the last Tommy who just kind of. Had to stare off and beat the crap out of people, you know for no reason, and then freeze up when Jason showed up at least Tommy's proactive this time,
0: yeah, and that's a big uh, that's a big improvement at least he's doing stuff. he's got ideas now um you know I mean it's a dumb idea to jam a lightning rod into a monster, but hey. You know, at least he did something.
1: (laughs) Hey, at least they had the continuity right. Jason's still missing the eye that got chopped out, you know, long ago. And somehow lightning regenerates a new eye for him. Uh, I guess maybe it made those maggots around his face turn into an eye. You know, whatever. So, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, we get lightning Jason. We get the kill and he runs away. And Jason is standing there. And then we get the James Bond opening, which was fun for me to watch Jason walk across the screen in the scope and then just slash it. You know, uh, as where Bond would be shooting it, I did think that was funny. Um And <laughs> yeah. at, at the time, being a kid, when I watched this, I was a big Bond fan, and I thought, "Oh, that's going to be cool." And I want so to say something. This movie only made nineteen million dollars at its best estimate in in box offices. It's a it's a drop from, from what they've done before. Clearly, and we talked about the the fact that the the box office starts plummeting here from part five onward. But I. I feel like this movie is concocted because they feel like they're going to make their money back on home rental and release. Like by 1986, that had become an industry. And this movie is targeted toward a group of people that normally, unless they have great grandmothers like I did, can't get in to see it. Right. Like this, this is R rated because there's a lot of violence in it, but there's no nudity and there's, eh, there's a little bit of language, but not a ton. It's, it's rated R because the MPAA is all crazy about blood and killing.
0: Yeah, I think today you could, you probably could have gotten this as a PG-13 movie if you cut out a few words and and maybe sliced off a little bit of the the weird fully dressed sex scene.
1: Maybe there's maybe there's one less shot of his face getting shoved in Ma- Megan's crotch as she's driving him around. That that probably would help too, because um, you know everyone needs a close up of mom.
0: I think you stuff. can get away with that now. It, it
1: you, you know <laughs> it depended on what channel it was on. So, you know, but, uh, yeah, uh, I, you could probably could get away with it. You're right. It it is the, I want to say this, this is the tamest of all of the Friday, the 13th movies. I think I'm not going out on a big limb to say that as much killing as there is. And there's a huge body count in this film. This one is kind of tame compared to last time, which, you know, was filthy in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah. It's like they, they, they tried to course correct, uh, from the last one, they looked and said, "Well, all right, these terrible actors aren't going to do it. Uh, we can't have that many pointless murders. Uh, you know, let's let's de-Tarantino the dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, yeah, it definitely uh, it definitely seems like it was a more of a commitment to quality. It kind of harkens back to uh, Four in a sense that you know they actually seemed like they tried.
1: Yeah, they did. And can we talk about the fact that they, you course correct? You know, the whole town is course corrected now. And we get two cops. And we often talk about how useless the police are in slasher films or whatever. These two are actually decent cops. Like, Deputy Rick and Sheriff Mike are, they're not playing around. I mean, they may work at the Mayberry Jail, but they're pretty good at their job, oddly enough. I It's the first time in a horror film you root for the cops because you're like, yeah, I kind of like these people. They're not that, they're not horrible.
0: they're they're oddly competent for uh, a Friday the 13th movie they really are and they seem to be actually trying to do something good for the town
1: yeah, like I don't want none of that Jason talk around here. <laughs> Get your butt out of town! Like they're they're escorting him out of town, and of course he makes a hard right, crazy Ivan, and he's like, "I love the the sheriff." I wrote down the line is like, "Damn it, I knew it!" Hit the sirens and the cherries, you know, like they turn the lights on, and I'm like, "Man, this guy wishes he was on Miami Vice, but he's out here in the middle of nowhere, Jersey." But uh, I I liked it though. I like Deputy Rick's uh, humongous uh, laser scope, by the way, on that uh, 357 magnum he's got that's uh that's amazing um that that thing is it probably weighs more than the pistol
0: that that is definitely the first generation of laser scope
1: oh big time and i love how they make it like it's mail order and i'm like if barney fife had existed in the 80s he
0: would totally have had one of those it's it's like the most tactical accessory i've seen outside of a
1: I know. Yeah, I mean, it is is—it is crazy. Uh, but it never pays off. We never get it to do anything. We use it later to kind of scare him, but uh, we never get it to shoot or do anything.
0: So. Yeah, we use it uh, to threaten Deputy Rick later, but it's not like. I mean, we know it's not loaded because he's got the one bullet in his pocket. <laughs> it's not
1: Chekhov's laser scope, that's for sure. So uh, we we also find out that our head counselors are, are lost here until they run into Jason. I love the little throwback here. They're driving the little uh, VW bug, kind of like uh, what's her name head in part two. And I love our head counselor guy here, Tony Goldwin, uh, before he was famous and, and did you know good work <laughs> and Here is the uh, is Darren, the head counselor.
0: Yeah, kudos to Tony Goldwyn for, you know, showing up and and actually doing a, a decent job. Like I think it it just seems like people were like, everyone involved was like more committed to at least trying.
1: Oh, I think these people all know exactly what kind of movie they're in, and they're just going with it. That's the funny thing. Is it's one thing if people are like trying to make a super serious horror movie and they don't get the joke. Like most of the people from last time didn't get that they were supposed to be doing something that could be mildly entertaining. These people all realize eh, it's part six. Eh, who cares? <laughs> you know, we're just gonna it's Frankenstein, whatever. And they all just go for it. I mean, I, it, these two kills are pretty gruesome too. I mean, he gets him with that fence post through the gut, and like pole vaults Darren over his head and then I love how Elizabeth is trying to like throw money at him <laughs> and J- Jason is like does not accept American Express cards and just boom, right through the face into the mud puddle. Um, I that was great.
0: Yeah, somebody better tell uh, Telly Savalas to take his diner's club card elsewhere.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, Jason does not accept plastic. So I love not only these people, though. I love our new camp counselors, especially the torn jeans guy. That court is either the best or the worst counselor ever. He has the greatest scene later with his kids where he's like, obviously, you know, nothing about Indians. Let me tell you everything. And he just lays out this line of bull. That, but he's so like sold on it that I'm like, I knew people like this. And I Love it because he just deadpans the whole whole delivery of his entire performance, and I I love this guy. I thought he was hilarious.
0: Yeah, he's great. Um, he he seems like he could almost be in Wet Hot American Summer.
1: Yes, he is that stereotype. He could be that guy. Yes,
0: and it, and it really works well in this movie because it's a lot of fun, and I I, I really like that they decided to go back to. Uh, Setting it in the camp again well, instead and we, of some halfway house.
1: Right, and we get something we've never gotten before. We actually get kids at the dang camp for once. <laughs> the children are involved in this, which changes the dynamic of the film. Yes, because the, but again, we're in part six. What do you expect? They're not going to get more serious. I mean, this is—it can only get crazier. And so, instead of being ridiculous and the wrong idea, like last time, they're like, "We got to put it back at camp. It's—we got to have counselors that we can—we can kill. But they got to be people that like we can invest in for more than three minutes. So we get to—we spend a lot of time with most of the counseling staff here. I like them all. I think they're funny.
0: Yeah, it's—it's it's probably the—the uh, the funniest. Friday the 13th next to 10 or uh, yeah. X.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The one where it's intentionally trying to be funny. I think this movie works as a comedy.
0: In yeah, a lot and, of ways. and it's, and it's fun. Cause typically I hate children in, in movies, but <laughs> glad these, glad you qualified that. So. <laughs> oh, don't get me wrong. I also hate children in real life, but uh, I especially hate children in movies. Uh, but these kids are funny. These oh. kids get some good lines. Like the two kids under the bed. And yeah. the one says to the other, "What did you What did you want to be when you grew, <laughs> you grew up?
1: up?" Yeah, exactly. You get the little girl in the bed that's always seeing Jason and crap. And, and I mean, no, I loved it. Those two kids are like a couple of courts victims too. Early on, we're like, "Oh, we're in trouble," you know, <laughs> with this guy. But I love him because he's got his total like you know rocker hair dude, his torn up jeans or whatever. But he's out there talking about like, "Man, you got to figure out where you're going in the woods and the life." And I'm like,
0: "It's an Indian, it's an Indian mouth, uh, it's an Indian mound," because. You know, he wanted to divorce his wife or his squaw or whatever.
1: Well, yeah, what do they call these things? What these guys are into? They're out there hunting buffalo. You know, it's it's great. I mean, if you haven't seen it, folks, it's a great series of lies. But no, it builds these people up into something more than just fodder, which is all they are for Jason anyway. But they at least have some... Some two dimensional structure to them. I mean, the thing we find out is that the parents in this town have been doing the nightmare on Elm Street thing, where they're lying to the kids about Jason Voorhees didn't exist. That was just a rumor. Like they, they're like totally playing it off like it didn't happen, you know. And I'm like, man, that kind of mass hysteria where you just all decide that we're not going to do it, mass delusion or whatever. We're not going to admit it anymore. That would be really hard to pull off only punctuated by the fact that when he comes back and starts killing 30 people, that, oh, well, we're not going to be able to keep that up
0: anymore. Or how about the fact that the entire high school is basically dead?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a whole class of people that didn't graduate from Crystal Lake High. Yeah, you know?
0: the, the, the classes of 80, 82 through 86 graduated like 5 to 12 people every time.
1: Right, like, there was no one, left. like the yearbook is two pages long, like in memorial. <laughs> You know, there was no football team. They all died.
0: Yeah, uh, Tommy Jarvis is the only member of every club.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. Tommy Jarvis, president of the student body, student body of four. But, uh, well, no, I don't know, though. He brought, I, I think Tommy was doing those uh, correspondence courses from whatever nut house in the woods he was at uh, beforehand and that he escaped from. They do talk about that he's at an institution, so it's not like he's ever, like, been let out. Like They were like, no, nah, we can't let this guy back out.
0: You know? uh, yeah, clearly not. So <laughs> we, we already have one Michael Dudikoff roaming the streets. We don't need another.
1: We, we cannot. We can, there can, there's only – we have a Dudikoff limit in this world, and uh, you are just pushing it over. I love some of Jason's kills here, though. Where we get kills four through eight, I call them. It's the paintball team building activity. <laughs> okay, so I work with I work with a real varied group of folks. Whatever, but some folks I did I work with did one of those escape zone things where like they lock you in a room you had to figure your way out and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. all I could think about was like we're going to wind up like Bert and all these other people, these salespeople, and we're going to get friggin' decapitated by Jason at the end of this. <laughs> Uh, I love how he tears the one guy's arm off to get the real shiny machete. And when he face plants into the pine tree, it leaves like the smiley face, you know? I mean, like that's just, that's the kind of joke. You can't like, you have to be going with it. And I'm not going to laugh. I thought it was hilarious when I was 10. I'm nearly 40. I still think that's funny.
0: That That is really one of the funniest, uh, uh kills. Uh, I, 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 I want to go back to the counselors real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I enjoyed our camp counselors because they felt like they were actually being camp counselors. Right. They were doing work. Yeah. They were taking care of actual children. Like, And it wasn't like a situation where they leave the 10-year-old in charge and go off to the woods to, to smoke pot and drink Coors Banquet beer. Uh, <laughs> they, they actually were like, hi, we're adults. We're supervising these children we're going to stay here to make sure these children don't get chopped up into, to, into uh, you know, beef pate.
1: Yeah, and, and moreover, they do the right thing. When the head counselors don't show up, they go to the cops and go, hey, we're missing some people. And we know that that's kind of a common thing around here. At least we've heard that. So can you – okay, Dad, do you mind checking out and see if you find these people anywhere? <laughs> you know, and the police do actual work where they find the bodies. You know, I mean that—that's what's awesome is that the cops see all the carnage, and of course they're blaming it on Tommy, uh, which again would have been an interesting take if they had, you know, gone there. If we didn't know that there was a resurrected Jason out there doing this, but it gives the cops purpose and something to do, and it makes Tommy's chase all the more fun to watch. You know?
0: Yeah, because we are actually invested in whether or not Tommy's going to get away from these cops, who are, are well-meaning. <laughs> I yeah. Mean, Why wouldn't you blame the mass murders haunting your town on the escaped mental patient?
1: (laughs) I know, right? Who's come to town talking about a murderer that you know exists, but that you're trying to keep people from knowing about. Meanwhile, all that's going down. Jason's killing lots of people. He kills the old fart who I called Merle Haggard's long lost brother uh, <laughs> from, from the, uh, the cemetery with a broken bottle. And then the newly engaged yuppies who decide to ride out wearing full suits and such to the woods to get engaged, get double impaled with a machete on a, on a motorcycle or whatever. Uh, I, you know, those are random kills. Again, it's introducing people in the scene of their death in some ways. But what you realize is that Jason is working his way from wherever they buried him back to the camp. You know,
0: it's it's the rare Friday the 13th movie that has a sense of space.
1: Right. And it's a large sense of space. Like you realize he's covering some serious ground this time. (laughs)
0: He's you know, doing a yeah. He's doing a. He's putting a lot of miles on his on those Doc Martens.
1: I mean, yeah, those things have been underground for a long time too. Goodness knows what kind of shape they're in. I mean, he's gonna maybe he stopped off and grabbed some Dr. shoals along the way. We don't know. We know he's good for random pickup of clothes because he did that in part three. So oh. um, but <laughs> he's he's yeah. gonna
0: he's gonna swap out for some uh Weejuns or something.
1: Yeah, but now Court does make you know, our favorite camp counselor makes the the. Terrible mistake of going off for a little nookie uh, as his uh, girlfriend would be hookup has stolen her stepdad's RV. And if the RV is rocking, Jason be a knocking. Um, <laughs> you know, um, my wife looked at this and was like, that is the weirdest sex scene I've ever seen. And I said, it is oddly not sex. It's like she's doing push-ups um, while somewhat straddling his upper torso. <laughs> you know, She's like, she's not even in the right area. And I'm like, I think they were just trying to be fun. You know, clearly... Maybe the two actors didn't like each other, but boy, do they both get great kills! I love how she gets her face shoved through the RV wall and just it imprints into the wall.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a great one. I really am. I really do enjoy the turn to supernatural, Jason, because it kind of it's it's almost like he's like gaining strength as he goes along. Because I mean, punching through a, a a human torso is one thing, but. Denting metal with someone's face is like a whole nother level of strength.
1: It's like he's, it's almost like what Freddy would get into doing, where he would gain power the more people he killed. It's like the more people Jason kills, he like powers up a little bit you know it's it's the super mario he's eating a flower and all of a sudden he can throw fire you know Uh, i i hate that court has to go but he gets a great kill he just gets a knife right through the side of the head and then we get that incredible wreck with that rv and that great shot of jason standing on top of it looking around like that was pretty cool
0: (laughs) (laughs) and it it really was pretty cool um because my parents when i was uh in my early to mid teens had RV had an RV and they had basically this RV. Uh, so, oh, wow. so it was a double bonus to watch it roll over. Cause, um, yeah, it was kind of, a, a, uh, a, uh, my dad, uh, dubbed it Christine, the RV <laughs> because, uh, we couldn't take a trip without, uh, well, one trip, the brake line ruptured, uh, <laughs> One trip it broke uh, – he was trying to put the awning up because a storm was coming, and it broke his pinky in like two places. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and my uncle got burned
1: <laughs> on it. Man, this RV was trying to kill you all, okay? It's a good thing it's not in your family anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, clearly. Uh, I guess I should have – I guess we should have rolled it over
1: a few the, times. Yeah, it might have cleared the demon out of it. But, uh, no, I love how Jason is is doing this though because this is you know supposedly on the way back to camp. So he kind of like hitched a ride for a little ways, and he's looking around like, "Which direction was I going in again?" You know, he think, oh, "Well, I just got resurrected. It's been a little while. I'm not really sure where camp is anymore." Mom, <laughs> you know, where where am I?
0: Oh, they oh they found they finally built the off ramp from the interstate. That's nice.
1: Oh wow. What, far screen What the hell is that? <laughs> you know, think he sort of goes like, "What"? So the that's, I'm killing everybody now. That's, so, the, that's
0: the worst fake name I've ever heard.
1: It, it, it is just about the worst fake town name ever. It is it is right up there with Otisburg, I'll tell you. But, uh, yeah, I, I love how Tommy gets Megan to help him with Jason Quest. And, like, she's in immediately. And I wrote down the words, Stage 5 Clinger, abort, abort. <laughs> you know, this chick is way into this dude. I'm like, it would have only helped if Tommy was a different race. Maybe she could have pissed Daddy off a little bit more. By going out with this dude, because she is all over this dude from the minute she lays eyes on him.
0: Or if his his hair, if his mullet was just a little bit longer.
1: Dude, he had, man, you talk about, maybe she wanted whatever Aquanet he was using to keep that stuff in place, because that hair was perfect, man. Just you know, just right there. So it was amazing. But boy, you talk about fashion of the 80s, man. I'm like we've talked about before how MTV hadn't totally taken over yet, and it kind of started to in the last movie. Oh, it totally took over these people.
0: Like these yeah. kids
1: watch videos all day. You can tell the way they dress, everything.
0: I mean, I mean all the hair is teased. We're like uh we're like a dangling cross earring on a man and like a flock of seagulls V from being like a full MTV like I- I think
1: I think Court was trying to grow that, I really do, and he just couldn't get it completely you know that high up, and then he got a knife in the head. This is the end of that, you know, the Indians and such. But uh, I th- I think I think that's what happened. But yeah, no, Megan's got that you know perfect sort of bob thing going on and and all this stuff and so she picks him up and and while this is happening the cops are discovering all these bodies and unlike stupid cops they're going okay roadblocks let's start being smart about this and find this guy because this guy is responsible like they waste no time doing this and i love how megan and tommy get in a high-speed chase in her car right Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is great. Well, let's just talk about it, okay? I mean, obviously, it's shot it over multiple days because it goes from day to night to dusk to night. You know, (laughs) it it ends with a shotgun in the face. But I love how her idea when she runs on the roadblock in her, uh, what I call the only thing she needed to make that more of a skank Camaro was the word IROC-Z on the side of it. (laughs) She shoves him in her lap and we get like close ups of Megan's jeans, you know, twice, not once, twice while on a high speed chase running from the cops here. Um,
0: Yeah, that's that's definitely not the first time she's done that to a guy.
1: (laughs) I'm like, man, I'm like, Tommy's like going, wow. Yeah. (laughs) And the next thing needs to be going through his head like this has happened before. (laughs) <laughs> you know, so, because um, you just don't wake up one day and go, I think I'll run from my dad, the cop. <laughs>
0: so yeah, she's uh, she's the kind of girl who keeps a bunch of candles by the bed. And like a switchblade.
1: Yeah. I mean, you like when she goes away to college or whatever, which I think she's supposed to be in high school. I'm like, she's, she's, you know, a 30 year old executive somewhere. But w- when this girl goes away, like, she's the person that the RA has to like call in and go, we need to have a talk. Like, I can't keep picking you up out of the floor at night. You know, so she yeah. is just waiting to go unhinged.
0: Your, your roommate's been complaining. Uh, yeah. You know, we don't mind a sock tied to the door, but, you know, four socks is, is a little excessive.
1: I mean, other people have to sleep whether you two are not in this dormitory. So, but no, I, I love how though they haul them off to the jail or whatever and deputy Rick is, is now he's got to do dang paperwork. And I'm, but I love that though. So I'm like, yes, the things cops have to do when they find stuff is they have to write reports and he has to sit down and do frigging paperwork while she's over there sketching, uh, you know, Tommy and working out a breakout plan um, <laughs> the whole time.
0: Um, yeah. Cause it's, it's definitely not like you don't get to just ignore a high speed chase and you don't get to just ignore like pulling a shotgun on people
1: right right like like dad is going out there to clean up more bodies while deputy rick is watching her and tommy but she's not locked up she's just grounded you know and staying there i'm like you might you might want to incarcerate your daughter at this point like i think i think it's safe to say sheriff she is not she should not be allowed on her own
0: maybe (laughs) maybe try to do like a scared straight kind of program (laughs)
1: One of those. Well, it, 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 maybe they he
0: was. They typically don't do scared straight for thirty-five year olds, but hey, there's always a first time.
1: oh, you know, they kind of did this year. A and E had that whole thing where they locked people up for like sixty days, and it was scared straight for a couple of those people. But, oh yeah.
0: I mean, oh, that's so, right.
1: Yeah, so maybe they maybe she would have been well on done well on there. I don't know, but I love though how a kid finds a bloody machete and is like, "I found this on the in my room. It's kind of freaking me out." <laughs> to the counselors, and they're like. Um, yeah, that's not supposed to be there. So, somebody's just playing a prank. It's okay. Holy cow. Holy cow. It's a real machete. It's real. Is that real? That's real plot. Like, I love how the girl's trying to, Paula's trying to keep it together while this kid is like, are you sure that's just a joke? Yeah, it's just a joke. You
0: know? Yeah. Um. And, and that's another thing that feels really like, like real world is that she's like trying to keep these kids calm. And, and the most, the panic prone kid is the one who finds the uh, machete. The one who, that's the girl, if I'm not mistaken, that's the girl who's already like seeing Jason. Am I right? Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's the same chick. She's seen Jason. She's, you know, freaking out and they're like, say this little prayer or whatever. And like Jason's leering over her sometimes. And what you realize is later he goes to pick up the machete later. Like, uh, pardon me, I'm just going to get this. And that's what gets me here is like, Jason wants nothing to do with the kids at all, but he's there to freak them all out. Uh, but he like takes a real shine to Paula. And I wrote down, she kind of looks like Alice. Maybe he's like, I thought I stabbed you in the temple. <laughs> oh, maybe not. I don't know. It's, it's all foggy to me now. So I'll just throw you through a window after I chop you to pieces.
0: So Yeah, um, uh, uh, <laughs> that's, that's interesting. Cause that kind of, it, it almost parallels the, renownedly terrible Friday the 13th Nintendo game.
1: Yes! Oh, I'm so glad you remembered that. Um, That is one of many Nintendo games I never finished. Uh, And sometime in my life I'm going to have to. Uh, But I gave up on it because it was ridiculously hard.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I still have it.
1: Oh uh, wow. <laughs> so if you ever want to borrow it, I um <laughs> I, 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 you may have to put that on a on a UPS to me here in a few days. But you know, Jason wants nothing to do with these kids, but of course he's killing these people. And I love how Megan helps Tommy escape, right? Like they start making out at the jail. Rick comes over there and of course she pulls the big gun on him and Tommy has to go, Yeah, wherever the dot goes, big. you know. <laughs> and then uh they lock him up in the jail and they take her car to go and uh, Tommy lays out his plan at this point. I'm going to return him to the lake where he drowned in 1957. Okay. Like he says it almost exactly like that too. And I've, I was like, but I thought he didn't drown. <laughs> like, did he drown? I, did he not drown? I don't know. And I'm like, so Jason's almost freaking you know, 30 at this point. <laughs> is that? Oh hot? yeah. So I'm like, wow, I hadn't thought about it like that, but it, it makes sense, I guess. But I, I like the idea though, that Tommy has come up with the only way to stop Jason is to put him back where he originated from way back. Like, I don't need to strike him with another bolt of lightning. I don't need to pump him up with 12, 121 gigawatts. I can't cut his head in half again because I did that once. So I'm going to throw him in the bottom of the lake. And I, I like the conceit that Jason was a monster that you basically just had to chain up in a place where he could be held dormant.
0: Yeah, he's the uh, like the castle freak.
1: <laughs> there, there you go, yeah,' perfect
0: so, to, but to uh, I, I do enjoy that it almost seems like they're building a through line with Jason uh that he kills adults and teenagers, but he doesn't kill kids because right. he didn't kill uh Corey Feldman
1: no, it's like he doesn't want he doesn't harm the little children because he himself was a little child when he started this dark journey. Uh, all these moons ago. That and no movie could, you couldn't get away with that. In, like, oh,
0: sure you, sure you could.
1: <laughs> no, don't try to put hey, this hey, on the class of like Jaws
0: where the kids. <laughs> Stephen King ran a kid over <laughs> with a steamroller.
1: No, he did. You're right. He he did. And it was this year in Maximum Overdrive. You're correct. So, which we have reviewed. It's back in the archives, folks. Go check that one out. So.
0: Um, it's, a, it's a good one.
1: It is. Oh, it is. Uh, you talk about a cocaine binge, because um, so, King admits that was all that movie was. Damn, I love how the cops and the sheriff show up to the camp first though. And I wrote down deputy useless gets a dart in the head, and deputy so and so gets his head crushed. Because Jason's like not even playing with these dudes. Like whatever, you know. And I wanted it, the only '80s thing he didn't do to somebody. I wanted him to pick up a throwing star and hit somebody with it, because that oh, would have yeah. been the the perfect moment here. I. I hate, though, that the poor sheriff dies. I mean, he gets about 20 rounds off into Jason before he gets bent in half, but I hated to see that guy go.
0: That's a really high-capacity revolver.
1: It is. I was impressed. Like, he puts out a lot of rounds into Jason there, and of course, it does nothing uh, as we know, but I, it's a great death, though, how Jason just breaks him. I mean, just snap.
0: And, that, and that, that's further escalation of of the Jason strength that we were kind of discussing earlier is that he's getting more, stronger and stronger as he goes along because, I mean, he crushed a head, and now he just broke a dude in half.
1: Well, I mean, he's done the head crush before, though. He did that to Rick at the end of part three. That's That's been a Jason MO. I mean, he's just getting... Stronger and stronger though, because he's never broken anybody in half like that. But now we well, he, we did see him chop a dude in half once though. He did that in part three, right? With yeah. Andy, the hand walking dude. So, um, so yeah, yeah but he is, this is definitely stronger. And I love the showdown of Tommy and Jason on the water here, even though Tommy has some terrible lines uh, and delivers them even worse. I, I love how it, the whole thing is I'm going to wrap this plastic chain around your neck. So let me act like it has weight to it by bouncing it up and down in my hand. Yeah, <laughs> um, that, that's when we started running out of money for effects we're like well just, just make it do the best you can
0: you could, um, you could have swapped the real chain out for the plastic one when it came time to shoot <laughs> the drowning scene I
1: guess I don't know maybe they didn't trust the actor or the stuntman I don't know but I, I do love how he, he, he tries to do it but Jason basically grabs a hold of him and drowns him and it's not until Megan turns the boat motor on him that uh, they're able to escape to shore
0: is this the first time we've seen Jason go No, it's the second time we've seen him go into water.
1: Yeah, cuz he's done water kills before. Like we we talked about that. He did that in part 4. He came up underneath Judy Aronson and you know, cut her up. And it's like this time though the water because he can't, I guess because he's immobilized by the big rock and the chain around his neck that he freaks out about it. Because I mean, you know, Tommy lights a gasoline fire and there's all kinds of crap that goes down before Jason destroys this boat like friggin' Jaws. I mean, he, he does he does destroy the boat. We should mention they swim back to shore because the boat is going down before she hits him with that boat motor in the neck. But I love the. We get the insert shot of Jason's hands, like, shaking underwater as he's being chopped in the neck with a friggin' boat motor. You know, it didn't decapitate him. It, like, got stuck, you know, and just sort of hung on. I've been around boat motors. They can do some serious damage to something if they get a hold of it, especially a zombie who's been resurrected a couple of days ago. Like, I don't think the skin is real strong on Jason at this point.
0: But. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, maggot head is de- definitely. Um Kind of uh, l- a little bit uh, overripe, I guess you could say.
1: Yeah, he's, I mean, that's the other thing too, is while he's walking around, how can no one smell him coming from miles away? <laughs> you know, maybe the kids do, and that's why they're freaking out to it, but I, I don't know. But I love how CPR revives Tommy and, uh, Then we get that shot of Jason staring off into the water as Alice Cooper sings us home. And Jason's like, just wait till I get this chain from off my neck. I'm going to come up there and I'm going to cut somebody's head off. You know, like he's just waiting. But that leaves us with a great stinger because all these other movies end with Jason being, quote, dead. Right. Mm-hmm. Up to this point. And now it's like, no, he's just sort of hung, hanging out at the bottom of the lake. It's like, when I get loose, you better believe I'm making a list. You know, <laughs> and it's getting ready to come up. But uh, I, I, here is something, though, that I've been waiting to, to give you is a mind-blowing theory that I had about this movie. I teased it at the beginning that watching it this time, something hit me that had never hit me before. What if this isn't Jason? What if this is Roy resurrected? Just throwing it out there.
0: Oh, wow. He
1: acts like Roy. He kills over the top like Roy. Now, the mask is definitely the old Jason mask, but Tommy gave him that back. And he's after Tommy. So if part five, let's say for a minute, it's in continuity. Jason, would he has a reason to kill Tommy either way, whether you believe four or five is the end of Jason. But if it's Roy getting resurrected, Roy would be the one like, oh, you again. (laughs) And I'm just throwing it out there. I don't think that's the case but what if this is resurrected Roy?
0: That's really interesting. Um as far as as crazy theories go, I, I really like it. Um I'm not sure at what point uh Roy made some sort of voodoo deal to become a to, <laughs> to become the uh the combination of uh Bernie and Chucky that he is, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do really enjoy uh, the idea of that. I,
1: I have seen this movie a number of times, and watching it this time, that occurred to me, and I thought, you know, if you watch this movie, and you just think, wait a minute, that's Resurrected Roy, it gives you a different appreciation for how the movie goes down.
0: I, I'm going gonna, gonna to have to rewatch it now, and watch it from the, the mindset that it would be uh, Resurrected Roy.
1: Yeah, it could be. But before we get into that, It's time for final thoughts, recommendations, popcorn ratings. What are yours for Friday the 13th, part six, Jason or Roy
0: lives. uh, I'm going to go with a, uh, this is a large popcorn for me, uh, almost to the point of, of extra large. Um, It's really enjoyable. I've forgotten how much fun it is. Um, And it's nice to see that they actually put a little bit of thought into the script uh, they put a, a little bit of thought into uh, how they were going to structure the movie. Uh, there are they keep the kill count up, but the kills have more meaning because these are, are people we've spent more than two minutes with. Uh, you know, they really do a great job of getting back to uh, to the formula that worked, uh, but without. It feeling like just an exercise in genre, you know. You know what I'm saying? Like it, yeah. it's it feels it, it feels like a Friday the Thirteenth movie again, um, but it also doesn't feel rote. Like it feels like it's got a little bit more of all the the fun stuff that like you want from a Friday the Thirteenth movie.
1: I'm gonna join you in that large popcorn Ron, because this movie is just a whole lot of fun. I mean, if you couldn't tell by the way we've been cracking up at it the whole time, this movie is fun to watch. It's fun to go along with and just sort of laugh at it and have fun with the counselors who are more. They're not more than just two dimensional, you know, Jason fodder, but they're fun because they're likable. And everything here, Tommy's a much better version than his part five self. And, and if you go down my conspiracy theory road and this is all Roy anyway, it makes it even more fun. But I think this movie, the other thing about it is it's super short and it wastes no time getting to what it wants to and becoming what it needs to be, which is let's just kill a lot of people, but make them to be fun people that we like. And in the end, we're not even going to bother killing Jason anymore because we'll just put him at the bottom of the lake. And then that'll be part seven's problem. You know, and but we're not going to leave him in a hole like, well, he's maggot food. and Now you have to resurrect him again. I love how we don't get a Jason death here. We just sort of get a Jason dormant. And this is a fun ride. And it is such an upswing from the piece of garbage we had in, in the last time out that it really this movie made me want to watch all the Friday the 13th movies. Because by the time I saw this one, I didn't really know the other ones that much. But afterward, I was like, oh, yes, must go back and watch the old ones, which is what I did and, and have been a fan of ever since. And so this one holds a lot of special memories from long ago and I think still works to this day. So, yeah, large popcorn for me, too. We're we are six episodes in, and we're just getting started. It feels like on this Friday the Thirteenth thing, man. I mean, it's we got we got ways to go, <laughs> you
0: know. There's, yeah, uh, six down. <laughs> I think six, at least six more to go. <laughs>
1: Something like that. I mean, we we've got two more in the Paramount wheelhouse here, and then we get the two new line sequels, and then we get the remake, and then we'll get the culmination of Freddy vs. Jason, where we kind of time hop back. And while that's going on, folks, of course you've been checking out listening to our Nightmare on Elm Street retrospective that Brian and I are doing. And we're going to all convene at the end to do Freddy vs. Jason for Halloween. So we really appreciate your support and listening to the show. Leave us a review on iTunes. Hook up with us on social media. Let us know what you think. Hey, do you have fond memories of Part 6 as well? Share them with us. We appreciate your support. Until next time, for Ron, I'm Jay. Thanks for listening to Film
0: Strip. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. You can find more episodes on our website, continuousplaypodcast.com forward slash movies. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes and link up with us on Facebook. The Filmstrip theme music is produced and performed by Frozen Lake 121.